I'm David Poyser, a journalist, and welcome to the 16th episode of PESPOD. The insider's guide to the PES network made for European PES. It's now a year since we all woke up to find that Russia had invaded its neighbour, Ukraine. Immediately, as the citizens of Europe welcomed refugees from Ukraine to our homes, PES across Europe had to rapidly set up systems or put emergency plans into place for finding jobs for persons displaced from Ukraine who were seeking work over here. As we saw on our TVs, no one was more at the centre of this than Ukraine's neighbour, Poland. So we're really very lucky to be with Eva Flaszynska. She's director of Poland's Labour Market Department and she's also an alternate member of the PES Network Board. Uh, good morning, everybody. <laughs> good morning. And to talk about his own country, Austria, and also the experiences in the rest of Europe and the role the EU can play, I'm once again with Johannes, Johannes Kopf. Hello. Hi, Johannes. So Johannes is head of the Austrian PES, uh, and more importantly, you're chair of the PES network. So you've got an overview of the situation across Europe. Yes, David. I'm looking forward for an interesting podcast. Eva, you're on the front line. You not just share a border, but there's so many family links with Poland and Ukraine. Can you remember that day a year ago when you first heard at six in the morning that Putin had invaded? Yes, that day I woke up at 6 a.m. I Firstly, I saw a text message from my colleagues, the deputy director of my department, and the message was, Russians are bombing Kiev. I quickly turned on TV and uh, really everyone in my home, me, my husband, children, we start hypnotized and looked at bombed Ukraine. Then I quickly went to work to the ministry. We had an urgent briefing and actually for the next uh, few days, I can say we worked non-stop, weekends, nights. It was a terrible time for me and for my uh, colleagues. Thousands of refugees crossed the border every day. There was a huge frost. In addition uh, to emergency aid, sleeping, food, water, housing, uh, we started to prepare some systemic solutions because approximately 200,000 refugees crossed the Polish border per day in the first day of the war. And what we did, we prepared a new law. Firstly, we opened our labor market for these people, from people to Ukraine, with any permission. We prepared information on the support of labor offices, translated websites into Ukrainian and also Russian language, because most of people from East Ukraine uh, speak Russians, not Ukrainian language. We organized hotlines for refugees and employers intending to employ them. We have adapted our electronic services, for example, those enabling remote uh, submission of application for registration at the labor offices. Our labor offices organize special uh, service points for Ukrainian citizens, registration desk and uh, past employees visit places when, where refugees were staying, like for example, um, centers of residence, railway stations also. We organize uh, Polish language courses, um, 
And uh, really, now we can say that our actions have been good. Citizens of Ukraine quickly take up work in Poland. Now we currently have in our labor market approximately 900,000 notifications from employers that they have hired a citizen of Ukraine. Of course, we know that the Ukrainian people need a lot. need, for example, some places for children, uh, some places to live. But we did a lot, the people did a lot, and we tried to help them every day, I, I can say. That's just so amazing. 900,000 jobs. And as you said, you did a good job. And, you know, on behalf of all of Europe, we are so impressed. Johannes, Austria, what do you think? Ah, I think we all remember uh, the 24th of February last year, um, where we had... Yeah, not only worries, I would say a lot of us also fears. Uh, fears about our families, about uh, the people in, in Ukrainian uh, countries. And I was thinking in the morning, what do I have to do now first for my family? And the next was, of course, what do I do uh, in work? And what should we start right now? Um, what are my tasks? Uh, everything is, is changed now in Europe. And this was, yeah, this was another crisis. And this was also difficult, I think, for a lot of people. We had COVID and a huge crisis with all the short-term work in labor market services, with all the fears people had by our own and so on. And then suddenly, again, such a big crisis, a war in Europe. And I understand everyone who said, no, I don't want any anything like this anymore. Um, so it was really, yeah, it was terrible what happened there. But just to remember, I've looked it up. Only eight days later, we had the first uh, informations and we welcomed all the Ukrainian people in Ukraine and Russia uh, on, on our homepage already. And um, as it goes on, three weeks later, we had already the first 1,000 job vacancies um, filled with Ukrainian people. So we gave the work permits already in three weeks. Um, and we started with our language training and so on. It was yeah, it was. Um, we had a lot to do, but it also became clear that everyone in public employment services was really willing to help these uh, people that suffered such terrible things. I mean, we live in the heart of Europe and everything is fine. And right now we, we're thinking of going skiing in Austria and so on. But it's just a, um, a few hundred kilometers away where there is a terrible war. So you really have the, the duty to help these people. Absolutely. It's the it's the duty, isn't it? And um, the Pez network as a whole was fantastic, wasn't it? Can you tell us about the Pez network? Um, yeah, of course. The situation because it was an a European topic very soon. So also the Pez network started to work instantly. Um, the integration and the support of the people uh, displaced from Ukraine in our labour market is, was our key and is one of the key priorities of the PES network uh, in 2022 and also uh, this year. Uh, um, we um, Public employment services, of course, play a key role when it comes to providing information on jobs, offering necessary training, acting as matchmakers and so between um, those uh, people and the employers and so on. So uh, we all had to react quickly and adjusted our service offices. Um, what we do always in such situations or in every topic we are dealing with, the first thing is we monitor the situation and try to identify successful approaches. Uh, that was the idea. The 
this is where the strengths of our wonderful networks uh, are. So we, we launched a, a questionnaire. Now it's a regular questionnaire to collect information and share experiences. Uh, we started in, in March 2022, and we always publish these survey and the summary of, and so on. And then we organized a lot of exchanges of experience in, in Berlin, hosted by the German colleagues, co-hosted by Sweden. Uh, we had discussions, of course, um, not only within our group, um, where we found out how we organized or how our member organized the situation. Uh, many PES offered simple, simplified registration uh, processes for displaced people from Ukrainian. Other organized dedicated counselors or teams of counselors uh, speaking Ukrainian with or with access to interpreters. Um, we uh, had a lot uh, of cooperation with other authorities, such as municipalities, social services, migration authorities. Um, also NGOs were also impossible and so on. Um, so uh, the network, as always, has been essential to learn from each other and to act together. But the last point that was also interesting was, of course, the network is also something like a political advisor to European authorities. So we had um, also an exchange, a very open exchange with Commissioner Schmidt during last year, uh, especially during the June board meeting under the French presidency. Um, and also during the Czech presidency, we were in contact with and had an interesting discussion with Lodovic Asher. He's the special advisor for the integration of Ukrainian people from the European uh, Commission. And we, it, it became clear that this topic is a topic for the years to come. So we also started to get in contact with our Ukrainian colleagues. Um, we had a good exchange with Tetyana Bereshna. She is the deputy minister of economy of Ukrainian. She presented the support provided by the Ukrainian PES to persons that are internally displaced within the Ukrainian. So even this exchange brought, I would say, in a good exchange in best practice to all our members and Ukrainians. So, on. so a lot of things uh, we did and a lot of problems and challenges still to solve because um, not everything is fine yet. Uh, of course, the war, but also in the integration process. No, it would, it would never be perfect, but I think it's a very proud moment for the PES network, the success of the way it responded. You know, the, you mentioned the survey that's going to be available on the show notes, which you can find on the website associated with this podcast. Ava, what did you think about the PES network? Because you're an alternate member, aren't you? Yes, I can only confirm uh, this, what said Johannes, because in the first days of the war, we didn't know in which direction the situation would develop. Uh, so we sent a letter to the head of the PES in which we drew attention to this crisis situation and asked them to consider taking action to support refugees from Ukraine. And Johannes immediately expressed uh, their support, uh, which was an courage for us, and we appreciated uh, a lot. Also, the PES Secretariat and the European Commission also responded immediately. And uh, for me personally, I, I remember that I received a lot of emails from my colleagues from the other countries, from the PES, from the other countries. And it was very important to me because I felt that I have some people. You are not, not alone. In my, yes, not, I am not alone. And I uh, have some colleagues, not only in my countries, but in the other European countries uh, who wanted to help me. And uh, like Johannes said, then we met online, we met in uh, France and we talk about Ukraine and uh, we prepare a um, 
a lot of activities for this people who I think help Ukrainian people, for example, who wanted to go from Poland to the other countries. So uh, really, really, I would like to thank you for uh, all these uh, things. Thank you, Eva. Um, it became clear that especially your country has the biggest challenges because there are very many Ukrainian people who flee to Poland. And um, the first idea of the network was quite simple, maybe too simple uh, to look it after it now, um, because um, there are countries that uh, gained a lot of experience during the refugee crisis uh, from people fleeing countries from the Middle East, Syria or Afghanistan, for, for instance. Mm -hmm. And these are especially Austria, Germany, Sweden and so on. And the idea was um, we have so much experience in integrating refugees, collected so much experience over the years that this experience could be best practice for now other countries like Poland. That was the idea. And um, in, in some points, it, it worked, uh, I would say. But in others, the situation is different now with Ukrainian. And um, so um, the exchange was very important and is still very important because um, our task is not easy yet. Uh, I, I really like to say that um, when I look At Austria, for instance, we have about 90,000 Ukrainians living in Austria. Um, and of course, many of them are children, some are older. There are also uh, people that are ill or maybe handicapped uh, or, or right before getting a baby and so on. But I would mm -hmm. say about 50,000 um, are the group or maybe 40 to 50,000 that could start to work in Austria. And right when looking on the labor market, we only have about 8,000 working and another 8,000 who, who start their integration by um, registered uh, via the public employment service, uh, where we offer language courses, where we offer training, um, access to, to, to other measures and so on. And so there are a lot of people still missing, about 25,000 about, I would estimate, that um, have a situation I would call it something like a, a waiting dilemma. Mm -hmm. They live in a very insecure situation. It's not easy to motivate these people to start the integration. I really understand all these wishes to go back uh, soon, but um, this is a problem. The, the non-integration for a long time really is, is the future problem. Um, it's a bit like a Yeah, dilemma of insecurity or wedding dilemma. Uh, we really witnessed this phenomenon, not only in Austria, also in other countries. And that's the thing we talk about right now within our network. Absolutely. I think it's such a good point. It's, and you can't blame anybody. They all think they're going home tomorrow. Ava, how would you characterize the war refugees? So, yes, I listened to Johannes. Now we have about two million Ukrainian people in Poland. We had about seven million uh, Ukrainian people in Poland. So I think the scale, the influx, the massive scale was very big. And that's why this is a problem. Not some people, but this, the massive, yes, uh, of these refugees. Those figures you just said are massive. Can I just say again, you think it's now 2 million, 
But at one point, there were 7 million Ukrainians in Poland. Is that uh, right? 5 million, yeah. about. Yeah. But okay. uh, what can I say? Uh, I would like to uh, divide the refugees uh, into groups. Refugees register in our labor offices and refugee groups covered by, by example, for example, social studies are characterized by different criteria. The common denominator of these two groups is the vast majority of women. Uh, it means eight 90% it's a women age 35 to 45 so young yes and first group citizen of ukraine register in our labor office it is about 2% only in our all unemployed people in poland so very very low but they are people who have lower secondary education and below no work experience so this is one group. And when we work in the other group, so for example, study of Ukrainian refugees group conducted by the Center of Eastern Europe of the University of Warsaw showed that they have higher education, so they work, but uh, for example, not knowledge of Polish language. So they need uh, some help from our uh, labor offices or uh, the other, uh, you know, institutions, for example, uh, IOM, to help them to know Polish language. So when you said IOM... IOM, yes, because we uh, work with IOM, we, you know, cooperate with trainings. So I, IOM for languages, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, right. And uh, what else? So uh, people who, from Ukraine who w work in Poland, very quickly when they have, for example, uh, good qualification, uh, work experience, they take up a job very quickly, yes? And we notice that the job is for a short time. It means about 58% uh, intend to return to Ukraine. Uh, so only about 40% would like to stay in Poland for the long time, yes. And yeah. we uh, have in our school a lot of children. Uh, they study language uh, quicker than, for example, their parents, yes. But uh, we have a lot of young students uh, in our schools. Johannes, uh, Ava just talked about 58% want to go back and that's a pattern i suppose as maybe we're saying you'd see more of in other european countries wouldn't you um i would say that um, these figures change every day because yeah. i mean there is enough international evidence that uh, refugees um, uh, stay to a higher amount uh, the longer they stay they have to stay somewhere mm. the moment your kids are kindergarten in school uh, learn uh, to have friends you start to live somewhere else and so on i mean there is evidence that after two years normally 50 percent of the people stay in their host country and um, we we all don't know how long this terrible war will last and we all wish that these people that really want to come to go back uh, are able to go back soon uh, in their home country um, but we don't we, we must not forget that this is at first and really a humanitarian crisis and some of these cities are destroyed now so i would say we have to be prepared that many of our new friends will stay here um, yes. And so that's why it is so important to start with the integration measures. 
Um, and this is not simple to, to convince these peoples. We really witnessed this phenomenon in Austria as we observe that there is a reluctance to, to start learning German or to taking part in training. We really have the impression in, in some cases that these people feel that to start, for instance, a apprenticeship training when they are young uh, would be something like betraying the idea of going back. And we really want to convince them, no, no problem, start learn German, start with a professional training. And if there is possibility to go back in four months, in five months, excellent, great. And, and you will need what you have learned in Austria before. And, but this is not easy to, to convince those people who really think they will go home in two or three weeks. Uh, it's just about two months ago where I proposed in, in our biggest uh, news uh, uh, channel a new idea where I said, well, let's pay more social benefit to Ukrainian people than we did before, than we do now, um, but force them then to start with uh, their language courses and with the integration process. So something like a deal, more money for starting integration. Um, so that's that's maybe also one idea, but um, I'm really searching for other ideas and uh, I, I really appreciate this exchange because this waiting dilemma is a dilemma we see in many European countries right now. Eva, I would think in Poland there would be a bias towards people who thought they were going to be there for a short term. Is that possible? The, ref uh, the refugees coming to Poland would be self-selecting. Yes, if you're yes, going to yes. France or Spain, you might... Uh, uh, yes, uh, border traffic uh, crossing, as I said, statistic show that over 5 million people have returned to Ukraine, but at the same time, about 1 million and a half personal registration numbers were also assigned. It means our Polish personal registration numbers. So we can assume that these are the people intending to stay in Poland for longer, yes? So the million and a half. And um, I have already mentioned that refugees from Ukraine have no major problem with uh, finding a job in Poland. And I think it, this is in, uh, the result of at least several factors. It means uh, we have very good situation at the po on the Polish labor market because registered unemployment rate uh, is about 5% in our uh, system, but by uh, Eurostat 3%. So very low uh, unemployment rate. Uh, we uh, quick opening of the labor market for refugees and, and no forced relocation. And next uh, factor is that structural issues, aging society and labor shortages uh, uh, in uh, 2022, almost every second company was looking for employees. And the next factor, some of them uh, had previous work experience in Poland or have family friends because it means in the past years before the COVID yes, situation, it was for them uh, easier to find a place in Poland on the Polish labor market because they have some friends, some uh, families. Uh, I think uh, this is uh, also the uh, fact that they want to stay here. 
Uh, Johannes, any final thoughts? What yes, I, I really like to take the opportunity to thank uh, Eva and the whole Polish Employment Service. Um, I'm really happy that we have a well-developed public employment service in Poland and that this solidarity with Ukrainian people is, is so high. Because, of course, it is a good strategy to flee to a neighboring country. Because um, there you have mostly, I would say, a cultural nearness and also the possibility to drive home very quick if there is it's possible and so on. It was the same in the war in, in former Yugoslavia where a lot of people moved to Austria. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so, of course, I'm really happy and satisfied that Eva and your past, your country is so strong in helping uh, these people. Uh, when looking at Austria, uh, it's interesting to see that we have a, a higher amount of academics in Austria from the Ukrainian. Um, but this is also not easy on the labor market, I have to say. Um, in the view of uncertainty of, of staying or returning, um, of course, the people have a tendency to accept any job offer to take on a job which provides good working condition and a good match with their skills. So they, they start to work where there is need for, for work and where there are many jobs in sector of labor shortages, like tourism sector. Uh, this is an understandable strategy to find very quick a job and it doesn't matter how, how good the job is at first but however it comes with many disadvantages in the medium uh, to long term so um, i would say we have to find a balance um, between taking up a job quickly and on the other hand um, use the qualification that people collected at home we don't want to have so many overqualified people working in, in low-paid jobs so the topic is not over yet. Um, I think we we made a, a quite good job all, all over Europe. I think there's absolutely need to, to cooperate between our countries um, and also to keep open the contact with our Ukrainian colleagues. This was also a very interesting exchange. Um, we also offered, I would say, institutional help. Um, and there are already, for instance, the Germans uh, uh, helping the Ukrainian pass, um, managing this uh, situation of refugees within the country and so on. Um, but um, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a hard job, and uh, we all wish the Ukrainian people all the best and uh, try to to do our best to help them. Before we go, will you be able to go skiing this year, Johannes? Yeah, excellent. Uh, luckily, snow came in Austria uh, over the last week. And also this week, uh, a lot of snow is uh, is uh, in the forecast. So I'm very happy that I will go uh, snowboarding with my family uh, next week uh, to Tirol. So um, yes, there will be the possibility to go there. Are you going to go skiing, Eva? Yes, uh, I'm going. So no, uh, no, I personally, but my family, uh, because I have uh, uh, some troubles with my knees, so that's why uh, I couldn't uh, skiing. But uh, I'm going to Austria to Tyrol. That's good, also. Eva. Everyone, everyone, everyone <laughs> should come to Austria <laughs> to promote our tourism sector. Welcome, Eva. <laughs> Thank you, because in Tatra mountains, in our mountains in Poland, we haven't snow. Uh, so that's why we prefer to go to some, you know, go about uh, from Warsaw about uh, 15 uh, hours by car to Tyrol, for example, because we know that uh, there are a lot of snow. 
<laughs> so we close with a broadcast for us uh, with a with a uh, uh, broadcast for for Austria. Come to Austria. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. <laughs> I think there's two messages. One is if you want snow, go to Austria, and the second message is just the huge success of the Pez Network. I mean, Ava said, I know you said you had all the help and there's all these schemes and all these ideas you had, but you also had the love, didn't you, Ava? You know, in the middle of this crisis from all your friends in the Pez Network, which I think is so lovely. So look, I know you're very busy. You're going to talk to government ministers all the time, Ava. Thank you for your time. And Johannes, we all know the huge work you put into the Pez Network. So thank you both for your time. Thank you, and thank sorry you. for the thank advertising you. at the end. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> thank you for Bye-bye. the conversation. Bye, Eva. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, David. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So the next episode of PezPod will be about a topic that's very close to everybody's hearts, which is human resources, HR. So make sure you listen to that. There's links on the PezPod show notes to issues we've mentioned. And as I already said, the survey that Johannes referred to uh, there will be links to that survey um, on the PESPOD show notes we're hoping this podcast will help build even more of a sense of community amongst PES networks across Europe you heard about how well they worked during Ukraine so but if you've got any comments on PESPOD and then just send us an email or if you've got any ideas of people you'd like us to chat with just send us just send them to us um, uh, email is empl-pes-secretariat at ec.europa.eu that's empl-pes-secretariat at ec.europa.eu and that's uh, email addresses on the show notes PESPOD is produced for the PES network by the European Commission with technical support from Econ Institute the technical producer is Mark Berta looking forward to next time <laughs>